So what I would say to people is, is sometimes we get so caught up in looking for the perfect thing to do that we don't do anything. Uh, so, so for me, you know, I'm always asking this question, what pathway, what entry point do you have at your church to help people take that next step in leadership? You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. All right, guys, welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. I am joined here with Chad Grigsby. Hello, nice Chad. Nice to see you, Jason, today. It's nice to see recovering you, Recovering well from the stomach flu this past. Yes, I am recovering well. I haven't seen <laughs> Chad. I didn't know that he was still working, honestly. I did because... move last week. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. I've been gone a minute. A minute, yeah. But Azure, how's the house? It's good. We're going to get there. We good. live there. Yeah. So, it's good. Awesome. Well, who's our guest today, Chad? Today on the podcast, <laughs> we have my my good friend, uh, George Ross, who we met in 1999 when Jason was six. <laughs> six years old, which is just, I don't know why that's so funny to me. At least I was alive. I think there's some that's people true. on our staff here that honestly might not have been alive. That is probably true. Yes. <laughs> So George and I go way back, and George is the Send City missionary in New Orleans, and has been there. I was trying to think, George, my I was landing on seven years, but has where, where are you? How long have you been there? In October, it will be eight years. Eight years. So I was close, pretty close. You were. So that's incredible. Almost coming up on a decade uh, in New Orleans. So yeah. So yeah, glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you landed in New Orleans, and then we'll get into the meat of our discussion around pipeline today. Sure. Several milestones uh, currently in my life. I uh, just started my 30th year of ministry. I will be 50 next year, so time is ticking away. I've been in New Orleans for eight years, and I got here I was a church planter in North Mississippi. I planted a church that I pastored for nine years. At that church, we began to work with a lot of uh, like-minded churches that loved church planting. So back in the day, there really wasn't a lot of resources. Uh, the SEND initiative wasn't around. And we had some like-minded churches that partnered together to do a church planting network, which I led while I was pastor at, the church, at this church. Uh, around that time, a couple of years after we started, Kevin came on board at NAM, and a few years after that, he reached out to me to uh, pray about being the missionary in New Orleans. So uh, just a, a lot of events happened through that process, and I never would have thought of myself as a missionary in New Orleans. In fact, if you had asked me, and as they did ask me to pray about it, I told them I didn't need to pray about it. I was not moving to New Orleans. Uh, eight years later, we love it. We have some really, really deep roots here. I'm a replant pastor here. I'm an adjunct professor at the seminary, and I'm the send missionary here in New Orleans. So we really love what we're doing. I love what God's doing here, and uh, we've been here for eight years. So what you're saying is you need something else to do. Yeah, I was about to say, he makes me feel really bad about myself. <laughs> Yeah, has has a lot of uh, a lot of irons in the fire, George. Yeah, but, that, but there's a lot of really... things kind of crossed over though, so it's really a unique situation. I don't think I know I could not do what I do if there weren't so many partnerships in yeah. what I'm doing. It's awesome. 
Well, that's great, man. Well, um, specifically, it's funny before we move into the specific questions around pipeline, George actually was my coach when I planted uh, our church. Mm. He lived one state over in Mississippi from Arkansas and he would drive over like three and a half hours to have lunch with me and to coach me. And, uh, and so, yeah, good friend, been a mm. huge mentor, big encouragement in my life. So really thankful you're here, but that's the podcast is not about our relationship, George. I don't know. I could listen to this for you a little could? bit more. You like that? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you do have a wife, you do have children. Joy is my wife. We've been married 20 years in December and I have six children. So we have four biological, two children uh, we adopted here from New Orleans and they've been with us since they were one and two. They're now seven and eight. I have an 11 year old son, a 15 year old daughter, about to be 16 year old daughter and a 17 year old son. Amazing. And Isaac, right? Your old Isaac is mm-hmm. he's kind of doing some worship music and stuff like that. Which is really- yes. He actually took over one Sunday a month at our replant that he leads a team and he will be serving with send Boston uh, this summer. That's exciting. Oh, that's really cool. It's really cool. Been cool to see that. All right. So pipeline is something that we're working on uh, here at our home church life point. We have an L one cohort right now that's going on. We also had about eight to 10 pastors that came to our L1 cohort to see it. And then we kind of talked a little bit about uh, what Pipeline could look like in their church. So we wanted to have you on because you've been working with Pipeline uh, for how long now? How many cohorts do you think you've led? And tell us a little bit about why. Yeah, almost six years now. Six years Uh, now? I've been working. Yeah, almost. They had a pilot program for one year. Uh, in fact, it was almost a year and a half where there, it really what nobody knew about it. I don't even know if it was called multiplication pipeline. Then I'm almost positive it was not. Okay. Uh, but that year and a half uh, pi- um, project, pilot project, I was involved in, so I was doing some of it then. So yeah, I've been with the uh, multiplication pipeline since it was called the church planting pipeline. That's what it was called. So I've been doing it a while. Yeah. And so, what is it that you like most about pipeline? I like pipeline because it's really geared towards missional leadership. So when we think about uh, developing leaders, one of the statements I like to make, the Bible never calls us to make leaders. The Bible calls us to make disciples. So I believe that the multiplication pipeline is a really good resource to do that. At the end of the day, we recognize as Christians, we need to be good leaders Uh, but it's a type of leadership that's really challenging the students, the participants, to think through what it means to live missionally. What does it mean to assume the posture of a missionary? So I really like it because of that. Uh, I think it's got really good content, uh, the content that they've been able to put together over the last few years, because if you've been using the pipeline, it's had a um, a couple of updates, and uh, those updates, I believe, over the last few years have really Uh, made it the best it's been. So it's good content. It's good resources. Uh, It's a lot of different teaching styles as well. You have 
synthesis papers that you have to write, you know, not long ones, maybe a one page reflection paper, but you also have videos you watch. So there are those people that really learn well by what they see. There are those people that learn well by what they do. There's those people or fewer though that learn well by what they hear. So we try to use all those different learning styles. And I think they are a part of the multiplication pipeline if you do it well. And lastly, I think it's just a good platform. The Pathrite platform is a very easy, uh, user-friendly platform. Yeah, I agree. I think we ever since we've started, I feel like I've really, I really enjoyed the ease of the use of the mm -hmm. platform. It's been super, super easy, and it's super easy to set up too. Like when we were walking through with the people, I felt like it was the planters that came and watched us. I felt like it was really easy to explain how to get them set up as well. Yeah, and it used to not be that easy. So Pathrite it has was a big upgrade. Yeah. I have to tell everyone if they were in some of the early pipeline versions, they had a terrible experience. I did too. <laughs> so they've changed, you know, they, they kind of went through the fire a little bit and the version that we have and we're operating with right now is a vastly different one than we started with. And it's much, yeah, I much think better. We actually used some of the early stuff too. And it was hard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's true. Um, how are you usually seeing... you need to remind people of that? Cause I have to tell it's not, if they say, Oh, well, I tried it. It's horrible. I'm like, well, what, when did you do that? And then I try to tell them, Hey, we've got some new versions of it. That's much better. Write that down, Chad. We need to make sure that we do that when That's we right. meet with people. Um, how do you, how are you seeing pipeline used most effectively at churches? I think every church needs to look at their context. I'm I'm a little hesitant sometimes of telling churches how to use it because I'm not in their church. I don't know their people. I don't know where they're at. The pipeline is very flexible. Another reason people should like it is you can really make it fit your context. So I always do tell people, be careful. Just because it's working at one place doesn't mean it'll work that way at yours. We have a system that we use that works for us that in a lot of ways, it probably wouldn't work for a lot of other people. We take ours in a semester-based uh, calendar. So we'll start in August and we'll go through, or through December. We'll pick back up at the end of January and we will go through May and we'll look at it like a school calendar and we'll have off, you know, for Christmas, Thanksgiving, regular holidays you would have. We take that off and we don't do it in the summer. That works well for the context we're in. And we do ours once a week and we do it really early in the morning. So for us, considering that we don't do the holidays, we take an extended break for Christmas, Thanksgiving and those types of things. It works out well for us getting those meetings in once a week, getting them in early and working through it that way. So that works for us. And I tell groups all the time, you may not be able to meet weekly. You may need to meet uh, once every other week. You may need to meet once a month. You need to work through what best fits the group that you're working with and the context that you're in. Yeah, I always say pipeline is a good bullet. It's just got to fit your gun. You know what I mean? It's a Great good tool. Book. Figure out how to, how to use it. Because I would say, George, that we're using it similarly at LifePoint, the way that you guys use it. We have actually have your material that we're utilizing. Thank you very much uh, for, for, for Pipeline. But you could literally have participants go through it, show up with the coaching questions, and it would be very valuable for those uh, that are going through it. Absolutely. The coaching script that you get in your resources uh, if you've done the assignments that you are doing and you show up ready for that, it's, it's really, really good.
Yeah. So there's, there's kind of a very hands-on and then a, just kind of show up and talk through it uh, and, and a spectrum all in between, which is, I really like the flexibility. Yeah. And I, I like that it can be used with any variety of amount of people too. Like you could have exactly. like a one-on-one situation where you go through the material with just one person, or you could do what life point or like George is doing where you can meet with, you know, 14, 15 plus people um, yeah. to work through it. That's what we have. We have about 10 to 12 people. George, what does your typical cohort number look like? 10 to 12. 10 to 12? Okay. And you guys meet weekly. And and is this like, so you said you've been working with it for six years. Is this your sixth cohort then? Or have you done multiple? I think this is my fifth year for a cohort. This is my fifth year for a cohort. I think the first year I did it, it was more of a, I was with a group at NAM and we were kind of going back and forth. So this is my fifth cohort. Now, are you doing just L1? Are you doing L2 and L3 as well? I have an L2 cohort as well. So I have L1, L2. And again, flexibility, my L2 cohort only meets twice a month. So I do not, and it's, it is not in person. My L2 cohort meets twice a month and we do it via Ring Central. And it is a very peer-to-peer. So L2, as you can imagine, because you're progressing, most of the people that are in L2 are, are two, one to two years out from planting. Mm-hmm. Um and because they're one to two or maybe two to three years out from planting, there's a little le- greater level of leadership there. So as I start out with L2 groups, I inform them, this is a very peer-to-peer. You have your work done. I give you the coaching script. You guys get online. In fact, for a lot of our L2 groups, I start them out. I start them out with the questions. I start them out with prayer. I start them out with just a, you know, a short time of coaching, but I turn it over to them. And they are to lead it and uh, lead it among themselves an hour and a half, twice a month. And they've really embraced that and done it well. You know, even part of the learning process for me as a missionary, um, is this person going to be a good planter, is watching their effectiveness of initiative in leading themselves through that in a peer-based environment. So I, I was just thinking like for L1, what types of people do you look for to go through L1 in your cohort? L1? anyone, you know, we open up our L1 to anyone that wants to do it. And we really do take those three D's that Nam talks about. So we think the discover, develop, deploy. L1 for us is a discovery. We want to really use that to say anyone in our church, we just had a single mom. So this this past semester, uh, we had a single mom in our city. She got saved sometime back and she did our um, L1 residency. Uh, Somebody helped her a child in the morning and man, she just killed it. So she went through it. She works here in the city. Uh, we have another lady that works here in the city that did it as well. Um, both of them, again, they're not seminary students. They're just here in the city. They have jobs. They wanted to grow in their, their leadership. They, they both did fantastic in it and, and really are thinking through how they can be better missionaries where God has placed them. So we put it up to anybody. And through that, uh, we have discovered church planters. So we have uh, in L2 right now, we have four church planters. We have seven people total in our L2, but some of them are not connected with our church. We have four that are connected with our church. They'll be planting in the next two to three years. And then in our formerly L1 group, uh, we've sent a group, we sent a team to send Boston to plant. So we had uh, a couple of uh, students in our L1 that by the end of it, they really, they were never even contemplating church planting. And both of them had a passion for that. They had a skill for that. It was very evident they were wired for some of this. They didn't even know it. And, you know, it wasn't any prompting by me, but by the end of their L2 experience, 
they had already connected with Sin Boston and they were scheduled for an assessment. They were endorsed and we sent a team of six to plant in Boston. So uh, that's been fruitful for us in that, you know, we're not just looking at it as something in New Orleans. Uh, we also had a Spanish church planter that planted here in our city already through it. So everybody's going to plant, but we use the language, hey, there's one of three things that's going to happen in L1. Uh, you could be that God stirs in your heart that church planting may be in your future. Uh, you know, there may be some evidence that you have some skill sets that are uh, showing that as well. It could be that you want to be on a church planting team, and those things are made evident to you through that. And it could be that you recognize that you need to live as an everyday missionary right where you are, and this is going to grow you in your capacity to do that. So mainly, you're utilizing Pipeline through the replant church that you pastor. Yes, how is pipeline being used in New Orleans at large, would you say? Uh, we have a lot of churches using pipeline and we have a unique connection here. We've worked out a partnership with the seminary and this is good across the country. So it's just not just unique to New Orleans, but at the seminary we have here in the city, you can get 20 graduate hours and you can get 18 undergraduate hours just by doing the pipeline. So what that means is we have a lot of churches in Louisiana in general and New Orleans specifically that they're leveraging the pipeline because students or even people in their church or maybe even thinking through this, they don't have to go to seminary. The class is the church context. So the class is inside the context of the church, which I'm a firm believer that historically we have not leveraged enough of our education outside the seminaries. I'm a I'm pro seminary. Uh, you know, I say that number one because I'm here, but I believe it too. So I don't want to teach anybody Greek or Hebrew. Uh, you know, not that I don't like systematic theology. I do, but I want to let somebody else teach that. Probably there's things you get at seminary that you need at seminary, but there's also a large portion of education and equipping that should happen in a local church context. And we believe that. So it's a great leverage for us, a great win for us where, hey, 20 credit hours over the course of a year is a lot. And if you get that in the context of a local church centered around missional leadership, uh, we just believe ultimately that's going to help us find more planters because you you guys are just like us. And I think every other church and sin city across the country, there's a lack of church planters. Yes. And there's not really a, there's not a path. We, we haven't focused on creating pathways and ways to really recognize where planters are discovering, developing, and deploying them. So I think it's important to do that. Right. And one last little nugget I always share about the pipeline. We've created discipleship structures in our church that are discovered, develop, and become dependent. Mm. We don't have a lot of structures for discipleship in our churches that are discovered, develop, and deploy. Mm. Uh, you know, I see over and over discipleship programs in the life of the church, they're not, they're not seeking and they're not leading to deployment. They're leading to dependency. Mm -hmm. I want more Bible study. I want this person to lead me again. When are you doing the next one? And there's so much of that in that programmatic way that we've done discipleship that we have not pushed hard or really made it clear that the reason we do this is to deploy you, to deploy you out as an everyday missionary in the city that you live in, to deploy you out on a church planting team, or to deploy you out as a church planter. At the end of the day, you need to reproduce what you've heard. Yeah, we tell our L1 uh, group all the time, hey, you're, you're not only going through this to go through to this, you're going through this so that one day you can lead someone through this. 
yes. trying to help them think multiplication. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were to meet with a church planner or a church that wants to go through pipeline, but they maybe feel overwhelmed by the material or coming up with cohorts or things like that, what would you say to them to help them encourage them uh, to get on board with multiplication pipeline? Yeah, I'd be honest with them. If you will commit to doing it one year, you get one year under your belt of doing it. You go through it one time, the rest of the time is much easier. That doesn't mean you're not going to add, things aren't going to change. But um, that that first year, and it's not undoable. I also want to make it clear, hey, this is not a uh, such a, a difficult task that you can't do this because there's so much information. That's not true either. But once you have done it a year, it gets much, much easier. The rhythms of it, the flow of it, the ease of use of it are much different your second year than your first year. Uh, And my conversations with people that have done it multiple years is that it gets better. And it gets better because you as the cohort leader, whoever is leading it in the life of that church, uh, as you show up, there's going to be things you remember. And because the curriculum is really built on facilitation, and I think people that are leading it need to be reminded of that. If you're doing multiplication pipeline and you're having an hour of lecture, you're not doing it right. Uh, there should be a way that the participants are interacting. Even at the L1 level, I have probably 20 minutes of coaching that I'm doing. Now we go an hour and a half because we have 10 to 12 people. If you have a smaller group, you don't have to go as long. I'm not ever suggesting that everybody needs to go an hour and a half. We do it because we have over 10 people usually. 20, 25 minutes of coaching from me max. Then there's a, a, a lot of peer-to-peer work that they're doing based on the work that they have done for that week. So again, you're, you're, you're doing stuff and, and it's some involvement. You've got to prepare, but it really isn't overwhelming. Anybody can do it. If you dedicate that time during the week, you can even dedicate an hour and a half as a leader and you can be prepared to lead that cohort. And then even the next year, there'll be less preparation you have to do and uh, it gets easier to do. George, I have found what really helps with preparation is taking what you've done extremely well and literally duplicating it. And so I feel like that has really helped in the preparation. And giving credit. Yeah, I will will say uh, it's been really helpful to have someone like you that we know who has gone through it, gone through it multiple times, and then being able to learn. And then we're doing the same thing. Like we're preparing kind of our document and around what we're doing so that we can pass that along to our L1 participants or multiply that out among other leaders and say, Hey, look, we've already done this once. Here's this document. It may need a little bit of explaining the use to the flow and how we've done things, but you can take this and you can do it in your context or at your church or with your group. And so I think that is the cool thing. Yeah. And I think like, I think about my wife, she's a teacher and her first year teaching, it was, I mean, she was creating everything, but then second, third year, fourth year, she, she's got it down. She's done this five times now. She doesn't need to, you know, recreate the wheel or, um, is that the right term? term? Reinvent, reinvent the wheel. wheel. Thank you. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. She doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. She's already done it. And I think that's the same thing with multiplication pipeline. Cool. George, anything else uh, that you'd want to tell us just about pipeline or to help planters, pastors take, you know, kind of take that step to get involved with it? Yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be the the NAM guy that's always trying to sell what we do. I think sometimes we come across to other people, you're just doing that because you work for NAM. Uh, I created my own multiplication pipeline or my own leadership pipeline years ago. 
um, worked hard on it, put a lot of stuff into it. And one of the things that I transitioned into, uh, I quit using mine. I quit using all the stuff that I created. I had all these modules you could go through. It was really good. Uh, but what I found out is that, you know, Nam had people that were smarter than me, more technological <laughs> than me. And they were able to put all this stuff in a better format for delivery than I ever could. And I just transitioned to it. And, and you can always find something. Yeah, I would do that better. I'd do that differently. And the multiplication pipeline, you can supplement. That's the great thing about it. You have a section you come to and you say, hey, it's not strong enough here. Or, hey, I don't like what that person said right there. Supplement your own stuff. You can do that. I've done that in a, in a couple of areas in the pipeline. Uh, it's easy to do. So what I would say to people is, is sometimes we get so caught up in looking for the perfect thing to do that we don't do anything. Uh, so, so for me, you know, I'm always asking this question, what pathway, what entry point do you have at your church to help people take that next step in leadership? And again, as I said earlier, I just don't want to create leaders. I want to make disciples. And this is a curriculum for me to really focus in on missional leadership. What does it mean to be a disciple who makes disciples? And you keep that going. And we see churches birthed from that. We see church planters raised up from that. We see church planting teams sent out from that. So that's what I would just encourage churches to do. If you don't have an entry point, if you don't have a pathway, then you're not going to do anything. And we spend all of our time, whether it's going to conferences, reading the latest book, uh, thinking that something better is going to come along, and we don't do anything. So I just challenge pastors, challenge leaders, take a step somewhere, start somewhere. There's hungry people out there. And what I have found out in leadership and in ministry over the years is that if you don't have a pathway or entry point to really uh, give these people in our church that are hungry to grow in Christ, to grow as a disciple, if you don't give them that, they're the ones that often leave frustrated. They leave frustrated. They're upset. They want to be used. They want to grow and they can't find a place to connect in the life of the church. So it's a win-win, I think, all across the board. And if something comes along that you find better, use it. But just have something and be active, and, and let's not waste the time that we have and the people that we have. Uh, let's raise up missional leaders. It's good stuff, George. Hey, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks Absolutely. for meeting, meeting with us. I'm, I'm really excited. You know, I think we're kind of on the front end of where you were six years ago of implementing pipeline and seeing other churches get involved. So we're really excited to, to hopefully be able to give the same kind of stories and uh, same kind of uh, testimony about how God's using it in our city. Amen. All right. Take care, my friend. Thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.